right. You guys all make it back to your seat in time and everything? I'm so proud of you guys. Usually I got to round you guys up. Well, we're in our second week in our current teaching series, The Sower. And this is a foundational teaching that every Christian has to understand. Jesus taught parables. And in these parables, he taught about the kingdom of God, how the kingdom of God operates. And that's what we're, we've been looking at. In Mark chapter 4, verse 2, two it says, Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Be, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on the stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Verse 7, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And then he said to them, He who has ears, let them hear. So on this day, Jesus taught them many things, and he taught into the night because his night was coming, as we learned last week, that they went to the other side. He says, let us go to the other side. And then that storm came up. It was application time to what he had taught them all day. But on this day, Jesus taught ten different parables, and all of the parables had to do with the kingdom of God, understanding how God's kingdom works. He taught the parable of the sower. He taught the parable of the tares among the wheat. He taught the parable of the light under a bushel, the parable of the seed, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the leaven, parable of the treasure in the field, the parable of the pearl of great price, the parable of the net full of fish, and the parable of the scribe. All of these parables he taught in one day. It's one of the longest teaching days recorded in the Bible, and it all had to do with how the kingdom of God operates. So you can go and study these all out for yourself and get an understanding how the kingdom of God operates. We're not going to be going through all of these different parables. We are focusing on the seed parables. Because Jesus said that the kingdom of God works like seed. Works like seed. Right here, Mark chapter 4, verse 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Just to recap, because you've got to get this. This is foundational. The seed is the word of God. And the entire Bible is the word of God. But not all of the word of God is equal. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God, which that word God, we've learned, is the word Christos. And the New American Standard Bible translates it accurately. It says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. So everything you read in this Bible needs to be interpreted through the lens of Jesus Christ, through the New Testament, through what Christ has accomplished for humanity. And the Bible, Paul talks about how these were shadows of the reality of Christ. And there's so many people are, it's, it's kind of like, I've shared this before, but it, it, it came to mind, so I'm going to share it again. It's like so many people, they go on a trip and they take a, a, a picture of their family with them on a trip. And they, every night they look at their family, they pray for their family. You know, maybe when no one's looking, they, they kiss the picture even. And, and that, that picture is so precious to them. You know, a lot of these reality shows like uh, Survivor and stuff, they, they take a, a personal item with them, and a lot of times it's a picture. But what would happen if you came home from that trip or you came home from that reality show, and when you got home, your family was there, but you went into your room, locked the door, and spent time with that picture? And that's what so many Christians do. They spend so much time trying to please God through the the picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament when Jesus is right outside that they can spend time with. The living God, the Holy Spirit, is right there to spend time with. So we filter everything, our experience of God, through the lens of Jesus Christ. So 
Jesus is the word. Jesus is the word. This, the seed represents the word, right? And the word represents who? Jesus. You guys aren't shaking your head. You, you, understand, you understand this. Jesus is the word. John says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God in flesh. If you want to know what the word, how to interpret the word of God, look to Jesus. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen my father. If your image of the father does not look like Jesus, you have a wrong picture of the father. God looks like, it's not bad father that wants to strike you down with a lightning bolt. And good Jesus, you know, that bad cop, good cop type thing. It wasn't, it wasn't God saying, I want to kill humanity for their sinfulness. And Jesus said, no, Father, let me step in. I will die for them. No, it's always been the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, madly in love with their creation, their children, and on a one-way mission to rescue them from the pit of hell. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Amen? So the word that we're supposed to be sowing, the word that produces faith is the word about Jesus, the gospel. Right? Because it literally says that, that the law is not of faith. And then it says that it's impossible to please God without faith. Hmm, that's interesting. So if the law is not of faith, and it's impossible to please God without faith, if we're trying to keep the law to be pleasing to God, we're failing miserably. We have to have faith in Jesus and what he accomplished for us on the cross. Our new identity, our new nature. The just shall live by what? Faith. Faith in what? Faith in what you do? No, faith in what Jesus Christ has done. Amen? So simple. The word needs to be mixed with faith, and faith comes by hearing, and hearing from the word about Jesus Number six, whatever is sown will be reaped. And we're going to see this a little bit more as we look into the parable of the tares in the wheat. That things are being sown constantly into your life. And they're words. Words are sown into your life. And it produces a harvest. Your life is the sum total of the words, the thoughts, the things that have come into your mind that you thought about it, meditated on, put in your heart. It produced a crop. And where we are today is because of the condition of men's hearts, their fruitfulness. But the good news is, is that if we put good seed in our hearts, it'll produce a good crop. Whatever sown is reaped, there is a seed, time, and harvest. Adolf Hitler did not become Adolf Hitler overnight. He hardened his heart towards the things of God a little bit, a little bit, and a little bit, until it produced the end result. You did not get where you are overnight. It's a little bit of God speaking to me, and I don't want nothing to do with it. God speaking to me, I don't want nothing to do with it. And we're going to see that it dulls our heart and callous our heart to the things of God. And just like that did not happen overnight, you don't automatically become tender to the things of God overnight. There's seed, time, and harvest. The seed grows of itself. This is the good news. This is the grace. See, the word of God is the grace of God because it has the power. It's living. The word of God is living, and it has the power to produce within you. The seed has the power within itself, and we are to use the word of God given to us to live this, this life of faith. We are born by the very word of God. We are born again by the very word of God, the Son of God, Jesus. And that's what First Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the grass, the grass withers, the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word which was preached to you. What was the word that was preached to them? Jesus Christ, the living word of God that endures forever. 
We were born again. This, this word, this seed, has the power of Jesus in it to cause you to be a new creation in him. There's power in the word. So with these things in mind, let's take a look at the parable of the wheat and the tares. Most of these parables, most people don't spend enough time on. They don't think about these things. But Jesus is telling us how the kingdom of God operates. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, it says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. The kingdom of heaven is like a man that sowed good seed. It's good seed. God does not sow bad seed. I'm getting ahead of myself. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So we see that there was a man that sowed good seed, but an enemy came and sowed bad seed while the men of God slept. The men of the farmer slept. Verse 27. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Does that sound like humanity? Does that sound like the church? Why is there all this evil in the world? Why, why is, is all these weeds coming up in this world? I thought God was good. I thought he only sows good seed. Why is all this happening? And they're questioning God. They're questioning, didn't you sow good seed? What kind of farmer are you? How does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? So we see that the farmer, he sowed good seeds, but when the men, the servants of the farmer, slept, wasn't doing, wasn't awake, wasn't aware of what needed to be done, an enemy came in and sowed bad seeds and produced tares within the wheat. And all of a sudden now the servants are upset about it and they want to go out and rip all the the wheat up, or the tares up. But in verse 29, he says, But he said, No, least while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, First, gather together the tares and bind them into bundles to be burnt, but gather the wheat into my barn. It's interesting I'm just, this is just something to think about. And I, I probably shouldn't even say it, but now I said it, so i got to say it. It's interesting. Um, most people, and I don't know which way. I'll just be honest with you. I don't know. They're, they talk about a rapture, right? But when you read this, it says, first gather the tares. First gather the, the bad, and then gather the wheat. And you see that in, in Jesus' parables quite often, is that, it's a taking away of the bad, not a taking away of the good. And, and when Jesus, we're just going to get into this in a little bit, Jesus explains this parable. It's, 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 the point is even clearly, more clearly made. So the, the uh, farmer says, don't go out and tear up the tares, or rip up the tares, pull up the tares, because you might uproot the wheat. See, Tares is a variety of uh, Darnell. I'm not a farmer, but Darnell, which is poisonous and can, cannot be distinguished from wheat until it's mature and produces fruit. So they could go out there into the field and start tearing up tares, but at the same time, they can be uprooting wheat because you can't tell the difference between tares and wheat. You can't tell the difference between what's a good plant and a bad plant. And that's not our job. As servants of the Lord, our job is not to point the finger at people and say, you're a heretic, you're this, you're that. 
We're not to judge men's hearts. We're to judge fruit. We do not judge men's hearts. We don't know that, do you know that you could start out as a terror and end up as a wheat? See, the church is all about separating from the tares. And Jesus says, no, let them come up together. Let them come up together. See, but once, once, tares, once tares mature, they stand tall and they have black seed within them. Do you know what happens when wheat matures? It has golden grains in it, and it bows. See, Jesus says that the devil, we're going to look at this in a second, the devil is the one that sowed the seeds. And do you know that that he called the scribes and the Pharisees of his times the sons of the devil? So it's it's just not, it's just not, immorality that is bad seed. It's religion. It's those that refuse to bow to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And they might say that they worship God. The scribes and Pharisees say that they worship God. But when God showed up in the flesh as Jesus Christ, they refused to bow. They were more dependent on their good works on their own righteousness, on their own holiness, on their, they did not need a need, they didn't see the need for a Savior. So only the ones that bow to the Lordship of Jesus Christ will be gathered into his barns, it says. So let's look at Jesus, how he explains this parable to us. It says, Then Jesus sent the multitude away, And went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. Look at this. Notice this. God God does not get upset about you asking questions. Jesus doesn't rebuke them. Sincere questions, Jesus does not rebuke, but answers answers it for them. God does Understand something. Questions... God's not upset about you questioning God or questioning his word or, or wanting to come to a revelation with a sincere heart. But if you're questioning, you have not reached a point of faith. So question to get to that point of faith where faith is birthed within you. It says, Then Jesus sent them all to the way, he went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. And we've seen this last week, right? Who not only is Jesus the seed that was sown, he is the sower. And we've seen this last week that the grain of mustard seed that is sown in the ground, though that's least of all the herbs, it grows into a tree. And the birds of the air come and find shelter in its branches. Jesus was sown into the ground. He resurrected and he birthed the church. And I used to think, I used to think that the birds of the air were us, and it's not. Because the Bible says that we are his branches. He is the vine, we are the branches. We're part of the tree. And if you look at other references to birds in, in, in these parables even, it's a negative thing. The birds come and eat up the grain. So what, he, what it's literally saying is, is what Jesus Christ did, that insignificant time in history where, so, where, where one man seemed just to go into the ground, came out with an explosion. And it so rocked eternity that even those that aren't in the kingdom of God are affected by it and find shelter in the grace of God. So many people wonder why the Old Testament is so different than the New Testament. Why is the Old Testament so different than the New Testament? It's because we're under grace. We don't know what it would be like to be held accountable for our sins. Do you understand that? There is still the law of sowing and reaping. But God is not holding sin against man. God is not holding sin against man. So his grace is falling on the just and on the unjust. 
And it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. That leads men to repentance. We have no clue what it would be like to live under the weight and be held accountable for sin. I've said this before, you know, things like Katrina happen or, or 9-11 happens and people want to, want to blame it on God, that God, God is judging America. If God was judging America, America would not be here. We'd be gone. God is not judging America. If God is judging America, he's going to have to repent to Jesus. Because Jesus says, it is finished. The judgment for sin is finished. He destroyed sin. As far as God, as far as God's concerned, it's done. It's done. Where, where were we? I have no idea. So he says, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Jesus not only is the seed, but he is the sower of the seed. Amen? The field is what? The world. He sowed it See the inclusiveness of it? God's grace is sown to the entire world. Everyone. The good seed are the sons of the kingdom. That which produces good. How do you know when the seed is good? When it matures. The good seed is those that have received the word of God, has planted it in their heart, and is producing a good Good harvest. The field of the wor- is the world, the, su- the seed is the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. So why are men's hearts dark? What is the seed? The seed is the word, and the good seed is the word of Jesus Christ, Correct? So what is the bad seed? The words contrary, anti-Christ. It's, it's things that are anti-God, anti-Christ. It's, it's religion, it's pride, the pride of life. It's, it's, uh, the, it's the way that it's sin. It's a sin mentality, and sin is not an action. Actions are fruit. Sin is a noun, it's a way of living life independent from God. And listen to me. The tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is sin. I'm going to choose for myself what is good and what is evil. Right? And the, and the, the knowledge of evil is bad. And the knowledge of good is bad. Both Sides of the tree of knowledge of good and evil is bad. See, we like to think, well, I know what's good, so I'll be good. No, that's bad. Because you don't, only God is good. You can't be good on your own. That's, that's religion in a nutshell. If I do enough good things, then I can reach up to God. And God says, you can't reach up to me. I have to come down to you. We're not supposed to be eating from that tree but we still do. The church still does. No, we're supposed to be eating from the tree of life, which is who? Jesus. So what happens when we have these thoughts, when we're filling our minds, and you do every single day, you're sowing seeds into your mind. It's producing a harvest within you. Fear. Watch the news, and you get fear built up in you. You know, listen, you know, I'm not saying that all you have to do is listen to Christian music, but listen to the words that you're sowing into your mind, into your heart, the books you read, the pictures you look at, the movies you watch. All of those things are things that we sow into us, and, and they, get, they give us a world view rather than a kingdom view. And it produces, it produces within us. So we blame God for the bad seed in the world. See, it's just the sovereignty of God. God picks some to be saved and some to go to hell. Oh, yeah. That sounds like a loving God. No, God picked us all. He sowed it into the entire world. So why is there sin in the world? 
because men sleep. An enemy has come in while men slept and has done this. And you can see times in our history where the church was dead. They slept. And seeds were sown. Look at the 60s. Look at what happened. Look at what happened in the 50s to the 60s. I've shared this before. Leave it to Beaver. I know you guys make fun of me for this. Leave it to Beaver. I like Leave it to Beaver. I watched Leave it to Beaver. The very first episode of Leave it to Beaver almost did not air. Want to know why? Because they were going to show a toilet. They thought that was too crude for television. Remember the Dick Van Dyke show and stuff like that? They show the bedroom and there's two separate beds. They thought it was wrong to show one bed because someone might be thinking, well, those two sleep in that one bed. We slept. And look what has happened. And some of you might think, oh, Chad, that's just goofy. That, you know. But look where we're at today. Look what our kids are doing today. We have sown. We have slept. And we're reaping the harvest of it. So the enemy who sowed them is the devil. So the evil that's in the world is not God's fault. It's the devil's fault. Right? And it's the church's fault for being asleep. And it's those that have embraced the enemy's words over God's words. Matthew 13, verse 40. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. See, notice that happens first. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father who has ears to hear, let them hear. When Jesus shows up, you know what happens? The righteous just burst forth with the glory that's within you. We will shine forth like the sun. So why does the devil go through all the effort of sowing tares among the wheat? To decrease the harvest of the wheat. See, God, the devil doesn't really care about you, but God does. And if he can destroy you, he can, he can affect God because God loves you. Tares are like weeds that sap the nutrients of the good crop, thereby lessening the harvest. Also, if people try, try to uproot the tares before the harvest, it can damage the wheat. And we see that in churches. See, in churches, there, the devil sows seeds within churches. And they're, nothing, and, and they're nothing but trouble. And what happens is, is usually when you try to uproot somebody that's causing a lot of trouble, they've wrapped their, their roots around immature believers. And so you hurt the immature believer at the same time. See, that's why it's not our job to, it's not our job to, to judge men's hearts. Our job is to protect the flock and let God remove the tares. Let God remove the tares. So the devil sends his children to the church. I mean, and, 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 and it just starts arguments about things that don't matter. They want to talk about everything but Jesus. And, and, and it just takes our eyes off, the, off Jesus, and it takes our eyes off the mission. And if we aren't careful, these tares, will, they'll wrap the roots around true believers. And they'll hurt true believers. I mean, how many church splits have happened because of one group of people, one person? And a whole church is devastated because of it. If we just keep our eyes on Jesus, we can avoid the tares altogether. So now we're going to look at another parable that God used, Jesus used to show us the kingdom of God and how we can be fruitful in our life and avoid the snares that the, that the enemy seeks to cause to be barren. 
So in Mark chapter 4, verse 3 and 6, it says, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it, scor- it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up and increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let them hear. God speaks in mysteries. God speaks in mysteries. And he's not trying to keep things from you. He's trying to keep things for you. God speaks in mysteries not because he doesn't want you to find out his truth, but so that you can find his truth. Do you know, when you hear the word of God and you reject the word of God, you're just like one of those unfruitful grounds. So God hides his truth in, in mysteries and parables and in and, and these things so that it won't injure or hardens men's hearts. The more you hear the truth of Jesus Christ, there comes a time that you reject it more and more and more and more. The Bible calls it, you become reprobate. You just harden your heart to all the things of God. And so God hides these truths so that we can find them. Look at what Proverbs says. In Proverbs 25, 2, it says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter but the glory of kings to search out a matter. Our job is to seek the things of God out. Look at the promise of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God is not hiding from you. He's hiding for you. Do you, do you understand this? In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So God says, When you seek me, you will find me, and you will be rewarded. So there's a reward for seeking God. And you know what that reward is? God. God is our great reward. But look at the fool. Look at the fool, Psalms 14, 1 and 3. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The Lord has looked down from heaven upon the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside together. They have become corrupt. There is no one who who does good, not even one. Okay, is he talking about everybody here? No, he's talking about the fool. Those that say that there is no God. And doesn't this look like the truth? Is that when you reject the things of God, when, a, when, a, when countries reject the things of God, they, they start reaping things that are destructive to that very country, to your very self. When you say that this way I'm going to go, is better than the way that God has shown me to go. And you reap destruction. It's not because God done it to you. You reject truth and follow a lie and you reap the whirlwind. God is not the one that is sowing bad seed into the ground. The world has to come to this understanding. What we do with the word of God will determine the life that we harvest. So in Mark chapter 4, verse 3 and 6, And it happened as he sowed that some fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell by the stony ground, where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Jesus says that this is a foundational parable. In Mark chapter 4, verse 13, he said, said unto the disciples, Do you not understand this parable? And then he says, How will you understand all the parables? 
This parable right here is catamount to understanding how God works in the world, how God works in your life. So we need to understand this parable. We're going to spend some time in the coming weeks looking just at this parable. We see right off the bat that there's four types of soil, there's, which represents what? The conditions of men's hearts. You have the wayside, which does not have or seek understanding. There's lots of people that live that way. They don't, they don't give a second thought to God, even though God gives many thoughts to them. You have the stony ground, who has no root in themselves. You have weedy ground that's choked out and unfruitful. And you have the good ground that has understanding and produces some 160 and 30-fold return. The seed is not the issue. The seed is not the issue. There's no issue. What's the seed? The Word of God. There's no issue with the Word of God. There's no issue with Jesus. The seed has everything. Everything in it to produce, we talked about this last week, that in, a, in an acorn, that seed has everything in it that the tree is ever going to need. That entire tree is in the acorn. You ha- when you were born again with that incorruptible word, you have everything in you that you will ever need. The seed is not the variable. The, ver- the, the, the sower is not the variable. Where did, notice what... The sower did. Who is the sower? The son of man, right? Jesus. Did he just make sure that he sowed the seed in good ground? No. God's grace is just abundant. It's, it's, it, it, as Amplified says, it's super abundant. He's, he's flinging seed everywhere. He's flinging on the road. He's flinging it in the weeds. He's fling, the word of God is just so generous. He's just flinging it everywhere in hopes that it would grow. See, we... we we judge people. Well, that, that person's not going to receive the word of God. He, he, that person, he's going to hell. We, I mean, we've sent people to hell, and that's not our, even our job. But God, he lavishes his love on everybody. He sows everywhere, even places that don't even look like there's no way it's going to grow. He's sowing. He's so, sowing everywhere. The seed is not the variable. God, the sower, Jesus is not the variable. It's not from the lack of him sowing. The soil determines the fruitfulness. Our heart, our hearts are the issue. What we do with the seed is the issue. What we do with Jesus is the issue. And even in the good, look look at this. This is a lot like our Christian growth. There was a time you were way, wayside. You could care less about God. You didn't think about God. And then you got into the stony ground where you, you, you started thinking about God and, and, and you put your trust in Jesus and, and you just didn't have a lot of root and you could be tossed to and fro. Your friends that, that think that you're crazy for becoming a Christian, they, they could still call you out and you go out and do things that you used to do and then you come back and you repent. And you don't, instead of just realizing that... Uh, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, and all you got to do is act like it. It's not about repenting, being born again, again. It's about awakening to righteousness that lives in you, and sin and not. That you are that you were free from sin. Then the weedy ground. Then then the cares of this world. We we I got I got my uh, career. I got my kids. I got all this stuff to to focus on, and it chokes the word of God in our life. But then we get to a place where we realize that if we put God first in everything in life, he will take care of the rest. And, and you start sowing the word. You start walking in the word. You start walking in faith. You start believing who you are in Christ Jesus. You start using the authority of the believer. But even in the good ground, it produces some 100, some 60, some 30. There's even stages of good ground. And this kind of lines up with statistics. It says that it's the 80-20 rule, right? That 20% of the church serve and give and financially serve uh, physically, all these things. So, And this says 25%. 
Our church here, I think we're, we're above the 80-20 rule. We got some awesome people here. But it, do, it does line up statistically that in the church, about 25% aren't in the good ground, aren't producing. And listen, this is not condemnation because God, the, the good news is, is God's not the variable. God's on your side. He wants you to produce. He wants you to be fruitful. Matthew 13, 10 through 12. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus answered them, To you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has, to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has shall be taken away from him. So in context, Jesus was speaking about having revelation knowledge. Those that have are understanding the mysteries of God, that God will open more and more to them. But those that do not understand are not seeking to understand. Even what they have will be taken away from them. Those that have received the mysteries of God and understand the mysteries of God and are trying to seek and understand will receive more and more revelation. Therefore, will walk in the abundant life Jesus has provided. Those who do not receive God's revelation will lose whatever they, truth they did have and will go farther and farther into deception. Have you seen that before? Have you seen an individual that has done that before? That they... They get offended at church. They get offended by another believer. They get offended by the pastor or something. And so they walk away. And their life goes completely opposite to where they were were heading. The revelation, they lose what they had. And and there's been people that that have been born-again believers to get to a place where they say, I don't don't even believe in God. God reveals his truth to people in stages. And not all at once. Why? Because you will be, re- you will be held responsible for what we know. We have to, w- it's seed, time, and harvest, right? Therefore, we have to walk into the revelation God has given us. See, so many people want to know more and more of the mysteries of God. People want to know more and more deep things of God. Why? Most of us isn't, aren't walking in the truth that we already know. God is not going to give you more revelation knowledge until you by faith, walk in what you already know. Matthew thirteen thirteen. Therefore, I speak to them in parables, because while seeing, they do not see, and while hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. In their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but will not understand. You will keep on seeing, but will not perceive. For the heart of this people has become dull, and their ears, they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and return, and I would heal them. Who made their ears hard to hear? Who closed their eyes? They did. God is not our issue. It's us. It's what we choose to do with God. Jesus was referring to the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 6, 9 and 10. And there's so many people that this is the condition of their hearts. And it's pitiful. But God has not made anyone this way. God is not your issue. This is their choice. They are reaping what they have sown. And verse 15 describes this, that it's a long process. Verse 15, it says, For the heart of this people has become dull, become dull. With their ears, they scarcely hear, with their, with, and they have closed their eyes, and otherwise they would, would see and with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. Jesus wants to heal humanity, but it's a process. They have be, you don't become dull overnight. And you can see this in children. You can see this in children. Children believe they believe in God. As soon as you tell them about God, they believe it. If you need to, some, some of you need to have your children pray for you because they believe more than you do. Jesus said that you should have faith like a 
child. But what happens? The world happens. Terrible things happen to us as we're growing up. We have teachers, parents, friends, enemies that just beat us and beat us and beat us and our hearts become hardened and hardened and hardened and the enemy that's, that's, that's sowing the tares into the earth and we become dull to the things of God. We become dull to the things of God. This, is, this isn't something that just happens overnight. The seed is not the issue, nor is God the issue. We are. We don't become dull overnight. We don't become, and we don't become sensitive to the things of God overnight. It's a process. See, some of you are judging your life by your actions, by your obedience, by your discipline. And so you're frustrated because you don't think God is happy with you. Get your pouty eyes off yourself and get them onto Jesus. God doesn't see you. You aren't, you aren't accepted by God because of what you're doing right now. You're accepted by God because of what Jesus has done and your faith in Jesus Christ. God is satisfied with you. And right now, maybe you're not producing in the kingdom of God. Maybe you're only producing 30 or 60 or 100. You're not producing 100 yet. But God is happy because God understands it's a process. You did not become dull to the things of God overnight, and you do not become sensitive to the things of, of God overnight. You don't go, as one pastor I had once say, you don't go to sleep a blunder and wake up a wonder. It's a process. So rest. Rest in the goodness of God. Stop beating yourself up. Keep looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Continue to sow the word into your heart. Renew your mind. Because to be carnally minded is what? Death. But to be spiritual minded, word minded, is life and peace. It's a process. You have seed time and harvest. You have first the blade, then the head, and the full mature grain in the head. Stop putting so much pressure on yourself. Stop comparing yourself to other Christians. That's a big one. So we'll, we'll, we'll compare ourselves to who we think are super Christians. And then to make us feel better, we'll, we'll compare ourselves to those that are farther behind than us. Well, at least I'm not as bad as this guy over here. No. Compare yourself with Jesus and then realize that he lives in you and that the wisdom of God is in you. These mysteries of God, you have the wisdom of God. You have the Holy Spirit in you. These parables should just explode on the outside of you as you seek them. When you seek them with all your heart, God will reward you and it will explode and birth the kingdom inside you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. There are so many things. There are people that, that have a hard time with things that are taught in the Word of God. On the gifts of the Spirit, on prophecy, on tongues, all of these things. And it's hard you cannot receive the things of God but through the Spirit. The, the natural man, they are foolishness to him. I never get offended when people say that, well, in their words, religion, that's just foolishness. You know why? Because they're just a natural man. You're more than just a natural man. You're a supernatural man. One-third of you is wall-to-wall -wall Holy Ghost you're filled with the very nature and power of God. And there's areas, but there's areas in our life where we approach it as a natural man. Finances. Well, if I, if I move the balance of this credit card over onto the interest of this, zero interest on this credit card, and I refinance my house and do this and this and that, that's natural man thinking. You know what? 
spiritual man's thinking is? You don't want to know. God says, if you have a need, plant a seed. Well, we reject that, though. Healing, same thing, plant the seed. You know, you know some, of the, some of the hardest people to believe God for healing are in the medical profession. Why? Because they have so much natural man knowledge. And thank God for the medical profession because a lot of Christians would be dead if it wasn't for them. But it's hard for them because of the natural man to receive the things of God because they're spiritual. Spiritual truth. What truth are you going to live by? Are you going to live by the, the spiritual truth, the, the ultimate truth, the word of God, or do you live by natural truth? Both of them are truth, but one's a higher truth. One's ultimate in authority. And both of them produce a different result. They're foolishness, foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually Discern. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You can choose to, to, to discern the things of God spiritually. See, this is why there has to be an anointing when the word is preached. When you guys lead your home groups, when you're, when you're talking to an individual out in, in a restaurant or something, or you're on the phone and you're talking to people, if, and I'm standing up here, if, if the Holy Spirit does not empower the words that are being spoke. And as long as I stick with the Bible and stick with Jesus, I, I can be guaranteed that he's empowering the words. They're, they'd be just dead words. They'd just hit the ground. And you can be certain that when you're out in the community, when you're speaking to family members, even if it doesn't look like that, that ground is good, even if it doesn't look like it's being sown, it doesn't look like it's producing fruit, your job is not to produce the fruit. Your job is just to sow the seed. And know that the power of God dwells within the seed to produce the harvest. Amen. 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 You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.